This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Marty, I don't know if you call this an emergency edition of Instigators Overtime because that might have a, a, a panicky negative connotation, but as most would assume, we can't stop talking. So we said we're going to drive this bus all afternoon if we have to to start telling you the things that are important in the NHL right now. It's an emergency doggy bag. Uh, yeah, and I am panicking because I looked at the one-hour show that we had to do on Monday morning with everything that's happening in Sabres, uh, in NHL, in whatever, like hockey, uh, we need to talk about it. So quickly, just to start, I know we're going to talk about scaling it up, but oh did you not see girls hockey, Little Caesars against Chicago Mission at the Nationals at one nothing in the second period, Chicago Mission, I don't know her name anyway, she picked it up from behind the net, lacrosse it around, scored to make it to nothing, and ended up being the game-winning goal. I wow. think it was 14U, maybe 15U level. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. Oh, my God. Like, I was losing my mind when I saw it. So amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, we talk about boys hockey. Girls hockey is so good. This girl got it done in a just highlight real fashion, and it's all over social media. Okay, so keep it going. You wanted to talk about everything that we've seen unfold um, from Troy Terry, Jay Beagle, Wallstrom, uh, Hughes, Subban. Tie it together. Well, give us your take. Let's start with the uh, Jay Beagle, Troy Terry incident. For those who didn't see it. So the Anaheim Docs are playing the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday, uh, Friday night. Um, and uh, in the game, uh, obviously, Trevor Zegras, who had that unbelievable assist to Sonny Milano against the Sabres early in the season, and then a couple weeks later, scored a lacrosse goal against the Montreal Canadian, got the hurdle off the side of the net between his legs. It got stopped by the goalie Vamelka, picked up the puck behind the net lacrosse style, went around the, the, the side of the net just to see Sonny Milano in the way went around Sonny Milano and tucked it in on the short side for the goal. Unbelievable lacrosse-style goal once again, right? Anaheim is beating Arizona 5-0 in the third period, and there's a scrum around the front of the net, and both Zegers and Terry are kind of poking at the, at the puck. Jay Beagle comes in, cross-checks, and I believe that was – he cross-checked Zegers right there, right, Duffer? Cross-checked Zegers which is fine. You know what? You're digging at my goaltender. I'm going to come in. I'm going to give you a little cross. It wasn't a bad one. It wasn't one that uh, people should be, uh, you know, enraged about. But then there's a scrum, right? Everybody gets into it. Troy Terry tries to get JB goal and kind of just gather him up and, and bear hug him. JB goal proceeds to drop his gloves and beat the living crap out of Troy Terry, who did not drop his glove and was trying to hang on. They were on the ice. He kept punching them on the ice. And that left Troy Terry batted in bruises. I mean, his left eye is halfway closed and all cut up and swelled up. Um, and so, obviously, 
uh, you know, uh, and we, we know Tyson Nash really well in Arizona. And he just said, look, that's what happens when you want to skill it up. You're going to have to respond to the, face the music, which obviously got a lot of backlash on social media. And mm -hmm. I, again, agree with the fans and disagree with Tyson. And it, it is what it is. Like the reason why Jay Beagle lost his mind, I don't know that it was so much because Trevor Ziegler skilled it up is because they were being embarrassed five, nothing. And they've been losing in Arizona and it's not good, but um, I'm surprised JB golden get suspended because that was yeah. a beat down. A, it was, it was uh, an assault on a player on the ice. And uh, that has no place that has no place in our game. The skills have place in the game, assaulting a player after a scrum like that really doesn't have a place in the game. I don't know how you saw it Duffer, but that's how I saw it. Uh, I wasn't watching it live, so it's only pieced together after the fact through a lot of social media. And honestly, I think you know where I stand on most of this stuff. So I, I, I didn't invest an awful lot of time other than to basically uh, I'm agreeing with everything you've said. There's, 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 there's no place for it. I'm disappointed that the league didn't suspend Beagle, but I'm not surprised that they didn't suspend Beagle. And that's, you know, therein lies part of the issue. Um, Timu so, Salani had a tweet, and I'm going to ask you a question directly to you. Timu Salani had a tweet says, you know, that would never have happened with Ty Domi on the ice or in the lineup or whatnot. Now, the week before, two weeks ago, Anaheim traded Nick Delorier to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Nick Delorier being in the lineup for Anaheim would have, have been enough for Jay Beagle to not do this to Troy Terry? My problem always with stuff like that is it's it, Nick is not going to fight Jay Beagle. That's never what happens. Well, he it's wouldn't have been on the ice anyway. No, I know, but it always ends up being tough guy versus tough guy to allegedly yeah. settle a previous score. And it's like, okay, you can, you can say you've lived that existence and, and that's how it's supposed to be. But all I know as a fan, and I'm not going to try and cite a hundred to a thousand different incidents. There have been many times where I have witnessed skilled players get laid out cleanly or not cleanly. And that player, the skilled player has always had a tough guy on his roster. And guess what? The tough guy, unless you're Dave Semenko with Wayne Gretzky, which is the most obvious example of this. Most often the tough guy is not on the ice with the skilled guy. So you're not going to get an immediate response. The other side's not going to be scared of doing something because rarely you have to answer to it. Because even then you do it, it ends up being the tough guys that fight after. Yes, I know there are great shows of bravery and sports like uh, uh, acceptance of the code that a player will then go out the next game and say, okay, I got to answer to this. It, that's fine. You can believe in that all you want. The fact of the matter is those after effects will never take away from the actual violence in the moment. Yeah. Those yeah. things have been in existence forever and they happen and they ha will happen regardless of whether teams have four tough guys on their roster or close to none, which and, is what a lot of teams have in today's NHL. And I know George Sparrows has a tough job to do as the director of player safety. It is not an easy job. But when last year or two Panarin, years ago, Wilson. Wilson assaulted Panarin and threw his head on the ice, 
the thing was, is that, well, Panarin is kind of engaged with Wilson, that they are wrestling. And I think what they're saying right now is the same thing as Troy Terry is engaged with Beagle. It is not a blindside punch, a player that's unsuspected is he's engaged. He should know better than to, but I think we're past that now. Like fighting doesn't have the role that it used to where, you know, you, you had to Danny Gare said, I had to learn how to fight. I understand that Danny, you're a good player. You had to learn how to fight. It's not the same now. I don't expect, uh, you know, Peyton Krebs, although he's going to get into a fight here and there, but I don't expect Jack Quinn to have to learn how to fight to, to be able to play in the National Hockey League. Although I expect he fought him, in Rochester this year, which was yeah, interesting, did. and it was self-motivated, all, all him. So. so certain players will do it, but you don't have, it's not a prerequisite to say you have to learn how to fight to play. We're not in D in, in young blood in the movie where Dean Youngblood has to go back home and have his brother and his dad teach him how to fight to get back to playing juniors. It's oh. not like that anymore. Okay. But take us into then the Wallstrom Hughes wow. Subban and where that falls yeah. in today's NHL and your thoughts. So today's NHL is so fast that at times a clean body check with a player laying on the ice may result in a player thinking, Oh, he got cheap shotted. I have to respond and do something about it. Mm -hmm. So in the uh, New Jersey Devils, uh, New York Islanders games on Sunday, uh, Jack Hughes is in the offensive zone. He has the puck. Oliver Wallstrom of the New York Islanders comes to take, get, deliver a body check. He goes through the body of Jack Hughes, but unfortunately the leg kind of hit a little bit in the way that they were positioned. Jack Hughes went down and stayed down as the New York Islanders are coming up the ice and Wallstrom is on a three on two PK Subban leaves his right defense position, cuts across the ice, drops the glove and starts to just pound on Oliver Wallstrom and just like instigates, takes him and just beats him up. I mean, it wasn't as bad because Wallstrom is bigger, was able to handle it and they fell to the ice. But again, I'm saying what, what why? Like maybe, and I obviously, I don't know, did not talk to PK. Maybe PK didn't see what happened in the corner. He thought it was a cheap shot. Maybe he thought he got need uh, that it, again, should have deserved a penalty. I need to respond. Mm -hmm. But it was a clean hit. I don't like the clean hit fight situation that happens too often in the NHL. And I'm going to blame it on the speed of the game because you don't have a chance to see everything that's going on in the real time that it is actually happening. Do you think the right call was made? Well, I, I, the, I don't think they, there was no penalties on Wallstrom. No, but I mean, you know, with Subban. Subban got ejected. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was the right call. I yeah. mean, again, that's, it's, it's a hockey play. A hockey play happened, right? Mm -hmm. I don't understand why guys that do the lacrosse move or show unbelievable amount of skills have to respond physically to what they're doing. I don't understand how a clean hit has to be responded physically with a fight because you delivered a clean hit, man. Like if we see a guy shooting a puck, 105 miles an hour, do we have to go fight him? Because he all of a sudden showed that yeah. he's stronger and can shoot the puck harder than everybody else. Okay. So when Shea Weber was shooting from the pointers, I don't know chair was shooting over hundred miles an hour, go drop your gloves and beat him up because he he's showing what his skills are. Like, mm -hmm. I just don't like that.
No, but you also know because you've cited it often um, with the hurdle goal on you and, and what the you know prevailing sentiment was in that moment. The prevailing sentiment was in San Jose, Joe Thornton, Pat, Patty Marlowe said to our guys, don't worry, he's not going back on the ice. We'll talk to him. That was 2013. And yeah. I remember when people asked me after the game, what about the goal? I said, all I have to do is stop it. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that my job to stop mm-hmm. the puck from going into the net? And isn't yeah. that his job to try to, try to score? score? Yeah. I mean, do I've you never go understood a nine-year-old, a nine-year-old yeah. that's playing a game? Yeah. Try not to score five today. Try only to score one. Like, yeah. are you kidding? And, and don't you dare do a spinorama and make someone look silly. Absolutely. So I mean, yeah. I personally think that the league is looking at certain things that are uh, like against the spirit of the game or the spirit of a certain rule. Like if Trevor Zegers picks it up in the neutral zone and walks and keeps skating with the puck on his stick and he enters the, the zone and he's got it like a lacrosse player and he's going 20, 30 feet with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that the game of hockey was never played like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I understand if you want to make a rule against it, because you say, then you're going to lead to guys slashing and, and you know, it will lead to other issues. Mm-hmm. I get it. If you want to make a rule, mm-hmm. I get it. But if a guy picks it up and puts it in the net within a few steps, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. totally fine by me. Yeah. It'll be know. interesting to see what type of okay. uh, rule again about, about rules. Like, um, Kuznetsov and Blake Wheeler coming in so slow on Tokarski and yeah. Craig Anderson. Mm-hmm. Now, I, again, I'm saying the rule book is the rule book. They allow it. Fine. Would I change the rule book? Possibly not because they scored against the Buffalo Sabres. Mm-hmm. It's not why I'm changing the rule book. I'm not a homer like that. I'm changing the rule book because I think it's against the spirit of what the shootout should be. And they've already opened that door when they took out the spinorama. Mm-hmm. And that's in the same realm of the spinorama. So I'm saying, okay, let's try to make the shootout a, a better, uh, you know, spectacle for the fans. Some fans already are not loving the shootout because of things like that. Let, let's make it where we allow certain things that show skills, yeah. but slowing down to a crawl and just like put the goalie in the position. I, I don't like it. Maybe it's because I'm a goalie. Okay, um, we're already dangerously close to being on pace to uh, offset Daniel Armbruster's <laughs> podcast as the longest one in Instigator's overtime history, and I don't want that. So allow me to try to drive at a higher speed here yes, let's and do get it. through as many things as possible. Do you know which two teams in the East and the NHL have the most points since February 17th? Since February 17th, uh <laughs> I am going to say the Boston Bruins and the New York Islanders. Yes, those are the exact Oh, no way. Yes, so that leads us to congratulations, you win a prize. uh, (laughs) And we'll share that with you on the next Instigators Overtime podcast. Um, It's interesting because Washington is 11 points ahead of the New York Islanders. The Capitals have 13 games to go. The Islanders have 14 games to go. And they play each other twice in the last three games. Do you think the Islanders have a chance to close the gap, given that Washington's kind of Washington right now with the goaltending. And I do wonder if the Islanders can continue at this current pace. So the Washington Capitals have 13 games left. You just said, let's see, they go seven and six. That puts them at 98 points. Okay. Mm -hmm. The Islanders have 14 games left. 
to try to get to 98 points, they would have to get 25 more points, which mm -hmm. is a 13 and one type of uh, run. Is it possible? Possibly. It's mathematically possible. But no, I don't think uh, the Islanders are going to catch the Washington Capitals, even uh, though the Washington Capitals are in a spiral. What if the cap? No, they're not in a spiral. I mean, they're six and four in the last ten. They just lost their last two. But Montreal, pardon me. If if Washington goes four and nine, though, well, the four and nine means ninety-two. Here, here, I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you nine Washington losses coming up: Tampa, Pittsburgh, Boston, Toronto, Colorado, Vegas. There's six, and Toronto. The Islanders and the Islanders. There's nine. That's not impossible to conceive that happening, Marty. It's not impossible. So then the New York Islanders have to go 10 and four. Right. And they're reasonable based 14. on exactly what they've done. Right. Okay. Let's look at their schedule and I'm pulling it up oh, here. No, so they you have... don't have to, because here's the coup de gras. The Islanders you... have the toughest remaining schedule exactly. in they the NHL. Dallas, Carolina, no, 627 points percentage they're up against. So they play and, Dallas on Tuesday, Carolina Friday, Pittsburgh twice next week. They got Florida, Toronto, Carolina again. And their only saving grace is two games against the Washington Capitals. So if you want to have a chance, you have to be going. Yeah, you have to have Washington really go 4-9 and the Islanders have to go 10-4 and four and win those two games against the Capitals. Those are have to be won. I'm just trying to get the NHL to, you know, Embrace 10, ten teams in just, the playoffs. No, no. I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to build drama for the league in, mm -hmm. in its instances where there might not be any. So all I'm saying is don't count out the Islanders just yet. Cause I think it would be quite a story. Isn't there okay, enough drama in the West? Uh, maybe we'll get there if I can actually handle my paperwork. Um, <laughs> a quick note on Montreal. They are 11, six and four in the last 21 games. Yep. <clears throat> Sounds pretty good, right? Pretty it's good. 14th, 14th most points in that stretch. That puts into perspective how tough today's NHL is because 11, 6, and 4, oh, it sounds really good. It's actually 11 wins, 10 losses, and you're not yeah. going to make up an awful lot of ground, even though points percentage-wise, it looks pretty darn good. Just a reality check for people when you're thinking, you know, what you need to accomplish and what's good and what's really, it's really, really good. The Sabres went eight, three and three in the month of March. Yeah. That's Colorado's average month throughout the season to be mm -hmm. tops, right? Yeah. If you go eight, three and three, and that's your amazing month, you're not getting in the playoffs. That has to be like an every month occurrence to go four, five games over 500. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's NHL 500 because really eight, three and three is eight and six. Yeah. So that's really just plus two. Okay. Uh, oh, by the way, last note on the Islanders, since December 2nd, uh, they are top 10 in the NHL. So it hasn't just been this little aberration lately. Like they, they are what we thought they were. They just, they didn't unfortunately get the memo or the opportunity to start at home on time and, and some things happened, COVID, all the rest of it. Um, Minnesota, 9-0-1 in the last 10. Yes. Cam Talbot, 9-0-1 in the last 10. Kirill Kaprizov, Hart Trophy nominee. <laughs> Take your pick on those three topics. Uh, I'm going to go Cam Talbot, 9-0-1 in his last 10. Does he start the playoffs? At this juncture right now, I say yes. But I would say this. 
in the first round, they probably go Talbot and then you win a game. Maybe you go Flurry again. I, I want to say, I'm telling you, that's what I think they'll do. I Do I agree with it? No. But Mark Henry Flurry also as is, is, is 4-0, I believe, with Minnesota, as we're talking right now, with a 1.35 goals against average, is the only goaltender to win his first four games in a Minnesota uh, wild uniform. Um, he, he's, he's on a tear as well. But I think you give Talbot the first crack at it uh, in the playoffs. They have 620 goal scorers now after Erickson Eck and Felino reached that milestone last night. Congrats to Marcus, first time around. You dodged Kaprizov and the heart. I just think that Kaprizov could be in the top six or seven in the heart conversation. I just don't see him in the top three or four. And for me, where would this team be without him? Nowhere. Well, they have six 20 goal scorers. Why do they have it? Because of his presence. Well, maybe you're right. And I, I would say, I, I'm just saying this. I'm saying nobody that, liked Matt Zuccarello's contract and nobody ever expected Ryan Hartman to do what he's doing. Well, I love Zuccarello. I know, but he was never going to be based on, remember when he was brought in, like everybody yeah. was like, oh my God, that deal's ridiculous. They're going to hate this. So. I love Zucks. You can't say anything yeah. bad about it. He's, no, no, he's, no. I'm not saying anything bad he, about he's, him. He, no, I'm not I'm, saying any, I'm not pointing you. I said people can't <laughs> say anything bad about Zucks. He's the best. Um, but I'll, I just have a hard time. Now, Igor Shosturkin has dropped off a little bit of late. That's uh, on his, my topic bar here. His 885 save percentage in his last few games is not going to make it count. Uh, Matthews is, could be on pace to get to 62, 63 goals. That's mm-hmm. big. Uh, dry sidle, 50 goals, a hundred points. I mean, there's so many people out there. Roman Yossi, I mean, hey, Without Roman Yossi, where are the Nashville Predators? Well, they might miss the playoffs now anyway because he went quiet for two games. He did. Against the Sabres, (laughs) he was not really noticeable, to be honest with you. I was. It was a hell of an effort by Buffalo, let's be honest. Exactly. They they really focus on Yossi. But again, I think there's three or four or even five Mm -hmm. really good nomination for the heart that Kaprizov probably falls in that second wave. All right. Uh, I'm hopeful that that, uh, you know, that changes a little bit. Um, Is the Pacific division, in fact, up for grabs starting tonight? The Flames are up by three on L.A. and four on Edmonton and the Kings and Flames play tonight. No, the Pacific division is not up for grab. The Calgary Flames have two games in hand against uh, on the Oilers and three on L.A., I think they are the better team in the Pacific division and will be at the top. Now, the team that's very surprising, and I love them for being that surprising, is the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with, at times, subpar goaltending, they've been able to win. And a boatload I mean, of injuries. And, and with a boatload of injuries, you're right. Philip Deneau, oh my goodness. Like, wow, I, what a year. What a year, right? I, I was very critical of him in Montreal. I'm like, because the word was always Philip Deneau wants a bigger role. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the number one center. I'm like, I don't see him as the number one center. I'm not saying he's the number one center in LA because Anze Kopitar will probably always be that guy. But Philip Deneau has a bigger role than Kopitar has produced at an all-time high. And uh, yeah, he's, he's incredible. So I have to give Deneau a lot of credit. And the Oilers have about as many ups and downs 
as the Superman at Darren Lake. I mean, you never know. One week they're so far up. It's like they're riding in the clouds. And the next week they're so far down that uh, it makes you want to throw up. So I have no idea what this week's going to bring for the Oilers. I think they're pretty consistently good. Um, I think for whatever reason, people overreact to every Edmonton loss. They're seven, two and one in the last 10, and you can stretch it back an awful lot further. They're one of the best in the league. They've won four in a row and they don't have to face Calgary the rest of the way, which might boost their chances of having a stronger finish than the flames. Uh, we'll see where it goes. All of this has basically been, you know, whatever, appetizers, wallpaper, something to dissuade us from talking about the real story in the NHL right now, which is the Vegas Golden Knights. No team is on a longer winning streak. They have won five in a row and seven of the last nine. They are sitting in a tie for wildcard number one with the Nashville Predators, even though they played three more than the Preds at this point. They are one up on Dallas, who had a sickening loss to Seattle yesterday. Result only, not necessarily performance related, but what are we making of Vegas right now? Still nowhere close to being healthy. Robin Leonard returns after missing 12. Logan Thompson was excellent in goal. And Jack Eichel's got an awful lot of goals in a very short period of time. Yeah, Eichel's eating up. And uh, I mean, obviously the uh, Vegas Golden Knights needed that. I think the biggest part of where they could be is Robin Leonard returning. Uh, you know, Logan Thompson did great. It, it was really good to see. And I always said that you have a a list of your number one goaltender, your number two, your number three, your number four, when your number one gets hurt and it's for a long period of time, your best option is usually your number three, the guy that's starting in the American league. That's in the rhythm of playing many mm -hmm. games. And we saw that in Vegas, Laurent Boisois did good in the first week, week and a half. But then after that, <clears throat> it crashed. And then Logan Thompson picked it up, but they need Robin Leonard to play and play well for them to have a chance. But, Having said that, I don't think they're getting in. The only way they're getting in is if Nashville really, and I'm saying really in the 14 games that they have left, uh, fails to gain enough traction. As, as we're talking right now, they're tied with points with Nashville. Nashville has three games in hand. Dallas is a point back, but I like Dallas better than the Nashville Predators. So I'm saying Dallas is going to be in and Nashville is fighting for their lives. If Nashville completely nose dives Vegas is going to get in but if they keep winning some points uh, I don't think Vegas gets in Nashville has Minnesota next they also have Florida and Pittsburgh coming they have Edmonton St. Louis Calgary Tampa Minnesota Calgary Colorado like I'm sorry Nashville's not making it they're not going to make so it. so are you getting um and on Twitter, people should get that. Um, who puts the, the sheet from the NHL? Yes, Damien Echeverria. Damien, yeah. So you get basically the schedule from everybody left, the magic number and the tragic number for teams, uh, their strength of schedule. Uh, you know, uh, by I don't point see strength of schedule on that. Is it not um, on there? They have home and away, but and away. Uh, I don't know if they have strength of schedule. Maybe that's okay. on a separate document. Maybe on a separate document, but I, I know that Damien's sheet is very, very uh, important for people to be able to uh, to follow along and see what's happening. So you're right. Nashville's got a tough one, but they've battled adversity all year. I think they stay in. 
Yeah, you notice I'm shifting here, right? I, I last week it was LA might be the one in trouble, and then they went and uh, proved me completely wrong. So uh, hoping for a reverse effect here on the Predators, but I am incredibly concerned. Now, keeping the focus on Vegas, I'm shocked that you don't believe in them yet. I think they have absolutely all the tools. They're only going to get healthier, and they're nowhere close to healthy right now, and they've won five straight. I and, believe oh, in the them way, in the playoffs, but yeah. to make the playoffs, it's going to be hard. Well, I don't know. I mean, not when you have a, you know, you have a good goaltending tandem now, and the other guys are starting to score along with Eichel. Anyway, they just beat Vancouver, and they are playing Vancouver three times in the next four games. They have never lost in regulation in their existence to the Vancouver Canucks. They are 10-0-2 since they started. How ridiculous is that? You were saying that you thought Vancouver had a chance because they were playing Vegas three times or whatnot. I, Maybe they'll get, I think you did say that last week or whatnot, but I did like the Vancouver Canucks and their story. Vancouver, three uh, wins in 12 now. I know. So that's that. There's no good. They're out. Winnipeg made a little bit of a push. They're COVID. not making it. They, COVID. They, yeah. They got COVID, I mean, so. it killed them. They lost two games this week yeah, as Connor they were trending in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. They lost it's... two games because of two absences, critical absences. Yeah. They were able to beat the Sabres in a shootout. But after that, they just, you know, I think it sunk in, right? That uh, mm -hmm. we're missing Connor. We're missing Nate Schmidt. So yeah, COVID is hurting them. Um, so it is a three horse race uh, for two spots right now between Nashville, Dallas, and what I think may be the team out Vegas. You mentioned Shesterkin. He's 4-4-1 four, four, and one in the last nine, Three eleven goals against, eight eighty six save percentage. Interestingly, out of 71 goalies who've started during that time, he's 51st in quality starts. Um, yeah, he's having a tough night. Now, I am going to Even tell though you he, this. You know, he, was, he, was, he was okay yesterday in the shootout loss, certainly against Philadelphia. But it, it's, it's caught up to him, the, right. the, the length of the season and the amount of responsibility pressure that he's had all season long. Although you look at, I want to say five on five safe percentage through March 9th, they were first in the league, right? Mm -hmm. They were like, yep. Shesterkin was great, but they've gone eight, five and one since, and they ranked 29th overall in safe percentage and 30th uh, better than only the Red Wings and Devils in five on five safe percentage. So that is not good. Do I think it's just a rough patch for Shesterkin? Probably, uh, but I better see in the last two weeks of the season. I don't need to see it this week, but in the last two weeks of the season, I better see the curve go back up. And I know their goalie coach, Benny Allaire, the great guru, he's going to always say, you need, we need to formulate a plan for you to peak at the right time. That's mm -hmm. what Benny would say. Like I yeah. was the backup goalie. I played one game every other week. He'd say we formulate a plan for you to peak at right time. And I bet you he's, preparing a plan for Sisterkin to peak at the right time, which is the last two weeks of April going into May. Do we need him to coach this show so we can ultimately get to our peak? We are at our peak right now. Okay. Who's going to win the president's trophy, Colorado or Florida? Colorado. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> Do we because need to I break down that schedule too? Colorado is to my... To me, the best team in the National Hockey League. I know okay. Florida is really close behind, but Colorado, to me, is the best team. Okay. Let's see how it goes. Um, Devin Dubnik is hot. I think Florida is struggling with Bobrovsky and Spencer Devin Knight Dubnik. a little bit. Would you stop it with that? Oh, Darcy Kemper. It's Darcy Kemper. Jeez. 
Why do I always say Devin? The guy owes me money. I'm giving him so much credit. He's got to pay me. He's going to make a comeback. Darcy Kemper is hot. And I'm glad you catch it every time because at I this don't point, I've it so many times. <laughs> like, I'm worried you're going to start not listening to me and be like, he's on his own now. Darcy okay. Kemper is hot. Okay. Wrap it up now on... Um... Oh, well, we did talk about it briefly at the end of the Monday episode on, on live radio and television on the Amherst. Do you think they'll make the playoffs? I think the Rochester Americans will make the playoffs. Uh, they are in a battle. I, I believe that the, the team is taking the lead by scoring goals. They're mm -hmm. not really keeping them out of their net all that much. Uh, UPL is having some ups and downs and ups and downs. And I'm not saying it's all on him, but I would love to see more consistency. And we've mm -hmm. talked about that before. Now I was hoping and, and it still could happen mm -hmm. that Devin Levi was going to sign a amateur tryout and finish the season in Rochester. So for those who don't know how here's how college free agency works or players that are going to sign and to get out of college, like uh, Devin Levi or Eric Portillo. So if they sign their NHL deal, they cannot play in the American League this year. So they're signing, and they have to play in, in Buffalo, and if they play one game, then their contract gets, you know, one year comes off. So if they sign a three-year deal this year, year one, year two next year, year three, you only basically play two years before re-signing your new deal. Mm -hmm. So in certain situations, what teams have done, is they've said, hey, let's say player like Devin Levi, um, we are going to agree on a deal, but we want you to play in Rochester. Mm -hmm. So let's side that, that NHL deal and put it over here. We've agreed on it, but we'll sign you to an amateur tryout. It's 25 games at the American League level. You go and play in the American League, play in the playoffs. And then when that's over, you've gained experience, sign you to a deal, And next year, you're probably in Rochester again, but you've gotten that experience. Kerry mm -hmm. Price played in Hamilton at the end of his junior year. The rules were different because he could sign a pro contract and play there. But he got that experience, right? So Devin Levi, I think that's what the, maybe the plan was in Sabre's mind and all along. That's even what Florida, I think, was thinking. Play a year in Northeastern and then turn pro. Now... He hasn't signed yet. And his backup goaltender at Northeastern entered the transfer portal mm -hmm. because he probably figured Levi may be coming back. There may have been some conversation there and has transferred to Arizona State University. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that the longer this goes, the, the less and less optimistic I am to see in Devin Levi suit up for Rochester this year. Could he still sign this summer maybe mm -hmm. and start his pro year next year? Maybe. But the, the time was now to try to make it happen. I think the Sabres are trying everything they can to make it happen. But in the end, that's Devin Levi and his representative's decision if they want to turn pro or not. This or that for the backup, uh, Northeastern or ASU? Uh, well, so ASU, funny enough, a, a kid that I know well, his name is Ben Cross. He played here for the Junior Sabres. He's the, he's the starting goalie at ASU. So... I think if this guy that, and I forget his name all the time, it's not single taller, but it's uh, C. Taller, I don't know. But anyway, 
he goes to ASU, I would think he's expecting to probably be the starter at ASU. Mm -hmm. um, I'm missing the point of this diss or dad. It was not a dissertation on the prospects. It was, well, where would you rather son? be? Yeah, exactly. But I, I wanted to approach it because Look, it, you're looking at two very pale, bald guys right bald now. Guys. We, we, we should embrace the sun devils as much as possible. <clears throat> oh, well, I, I would like to embrace the sun devils for this kid, but I, I don't know. Northeastern plays in the bean pot. They do all of that. I just, okay, I would have stayed at Northeastern. Okay. You're overthinking it. Let's keep it on the Sabres. <laughs> I will not side. I was answering a question. I won't. Yeah, but yeah, but you didn't <laughs> interpret the question properly because I probably didn't deliver it properly. So no more fake this or that. How does all of this affect Eric Portillo? So it, it could affect Eric Portillo in the sense that, well, uh, number one, they are still playing. So there's not going to be any word on that. Their uh, semifinal is Thursday this week. And then the finals, if they win, would be on, on Saturday all happening in Boston, but Eric Portillo is the closest to free agency, college free agency of the two. Eric Portillo has one more year of college hockey. And then in the summer of 2023 could become a unrestricted free agent, a college free agent like Cal Peterson was like uh, many others have been where they wait out their four years and then get to pick where they're going to go. So not having Devin Levi or potentially not having Devin Levi sign may shift the focus and say, Hey, Portillo, you're coming over. You're in Rochester next year. You're our guy. Let's get your pro career started mm -hmm. because Devin Levi still has until 2024 before he would turn uh, a college free agent. So what do you think is going to happen? I think it all depends if they win or not. Really? It all depends if Michigan wins or not. Okay. But Michigan is also, we got to understand Michigan is going to lose Owen power next year, lose Maddie Bernier, lose uh, everybody. Like all these guys are going to turn pro is mm -hmm. Eric Portillo wanting to stay in Michigan mm -hmm. and play on a team. That's still going to be good, but not national maybe, championship. Maybe it doesn't matter if they win based on what you just said, if they're all leaving anyway. Well, I, I think that Portillo winning gone especially if levi doesn't sign i think right. that portillo is like i'm That's gone if they don't win the chat. <laughs> if, if they don't win he may be thinking i'd like another shot at it uh -huh. we're michigan we're always going to be somewhat good uh, uh maybe we'll lose some of our studs but we have good players there so not winning brings the conversation winning boom gone okay um shoot where was i going with that uh what do you think? You think winning or not winning is uh, if Levi doesn't sign Portillo signs? Correct. I kind of felt that way too, but I just wanted to have the conversation. Sometimes the more you talk, the more it becomes clear for me. You know what? Sometimes the more I talk, the more it becomes clear to me too. Even though people say, stop talking. I need to talk. So I need to formulate all my ideas and put them in the right box. Hey, you and Devin Dubnik. Um, <laughs> okay. Lastly, um, <laughs> okay. Buffalo is entering into consecutive games here against the Carolina Hurricanes, whom they've not beaten since Jack Eichel's rookie year. It's 11 straight setbacks against the Hurricanes. What happens this week? Um, what happens this week? 
I I have faith that they will win one of the two. Okay. I don't think they win both. And to be honest with you, I think they probably, uh, I hate to say this, I think they probably win in Carolina. I think they'll get that 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 response in Buffalo on Tuesday night where Carolina is going to come at them and then they'll be able to look at the tape, adjust, and go and win in Carolina. So that's kind of where I see it. Mm-hmm. Although we could get one of those Craig Anderson performance on Tuesday night, because I would expect Anderson's going to get back in the game Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, is like, wow, like Andy's standing on his head and all of a sudden you beat Carolina. But I think they win one of the two of them. Carolina elite at home, top three in the NHL. Of course, that uh, just mirrors everything they've done this year. They currently lead the league in goals against average and save percentage. Um you know where you know they're a, getting Antiranto, one of them, right? So Freddie yeah. Anderson will play one, but yeah, they have Anderson, they have backup Thursday, Friday. They play back to back Thursday, Friday. Carolina plays at home, and then they play. We just mentioned a team that they play on Friday. So Washington, I think maybe they play Friday, or the New York Islanders, Islanders. maybe. Islanders. Yeah, the Islanders yeah. they play Friday. So. So maybe we see Freddie Anderson both games, and then Antiranto plays Friday against the Islanders. I don't know, but I. I I think they win one of them. Yeah. Anderson to coming off a three, one loss to Minnesota where he gave up three on 19. But again, that's not to be oversimplified. Obviously Minnesota is a very good team. Yes. Um, here's a nugget for you in the 11 game winless drought for Buffalo in this series between the Sabres and hurricanes, <clears throat> Jeff Skinner leads all goal scorers in the 11 games. He has five in five games as a Sabre. He has three in six games as a Hurricane. So he has been the most productive of any player in this series over the last six years. So we'll see if that continues. Um, I I don't know what to think, man. Can I give you a little bit of a funny story just to, like, talk about the Carolina Hurricanes because you just are reminding me of something that happened to me that was kind of funny. A game that you're never expecting to win. Yeah. And you end up winning it. So 2005, 2006, we are setting to play Carolina last game of the season, game number 82 in Carolina. So we go to the morning skate. Lindy tells me, Marty, you're playing, right? Millsy's going to rest. He's going to start in the playoffs. Marty, you're playing. And we have some guys not playing as much or whatnot. So we get back to the hotel, have lunch. And then all of a sudden the guys all decide to have a poker tournament. I'm like, what? what like, we have a game tonight. I'm playing that game. And all the guys decide to have a poker tournament. So I go back to my room. I was roommate with JP Dumont. Go back to my room. I'm like, I'm taking my nap, whatever. JP walked in at, f- at 425. The bus was at 430. He walked in at 425, all mad and pissed off because he had lost money in the poker tournament. He got a bad beat or whatnot. And I'm like, how many guys were down there? I have about 14, 15 guys. Like we were all down there all afternoon. They were like literally having a, a, a poker tournament all afternoon. And I was mad. I was, I was ticked off. We ended up winning for nothing. <laughs> Stood on my head. Let's go. How many saves? <laughs> oh, do you want me to look it up? No, I just thought it was, it's a trick question. Cause if you had blurted it out right away, I would know that you've YouTube 33 saves, there you go. <laughs> 33 saves. Yeah. Hey, that might've been one of those games where Daniel Armbruster fell in love with you. Maybe he did. I mean, he's just a young buck. I always had good success against the, uh, well, 
Okay, maybe not that much, but <laughs> against the Carolina Hurricanes. I went uh, that season. I went. Uh, I actually I went one and one against them. So mm-hmm. pretty good. Uh, do you believe that Kyle Opozo is in fact dad on the Sabers roster? Yes, I believe it a hundred percent because uh, not only does he have to be dad at home, I think he's dad uh, at uh, at the arena, and uh, I think he's a tough, loving type dad. I think mm-hmm. there's no nonsense. It's get your work in. Let's go. You saw his speech when he gave the uh, sword to the player of the game to regenerate after the game where he's well-spoken. He's got passion. Um, he plays hard. I, I do believe he is dad. And if to have RJ call him dad during the broadcast uh, is uh, on, on Sunday, it's kind of funny <laughs> because RJ is going to be 80 this summer. Uh, he's got 50 plus years on, on Caloposo and he's calling him dad, which is fantastic. Okay. Anything for me? In the famous words of Chopin Bulldog. <laughs> no, which I never know what to answer to that. When Mike always tells me, uh, Marty, anything for us? You have any questions for us? I'm like, I, I, I didn't prepare anything. Um, you went to uh, Joy Wave on, uh, on Sunday night. I, I want to yeah. know, were you singing along? Were you dancing no. along? Uh, uh, mm, don't you know me better than that? Not much of a dancer. Um, well, that's, but you love them. So I didn't know if it oh, no, brought no, no. a different yeah, side. No, no, no. There was a little swaying back and forth. And, you know, um, I always mm-hmm. try to save the voice now. Uh, so my woohooing at concerts has greatly diminished over the course of time uh, because I, ha- I I feel like the I the effects of that last longer nowadays. So I try well, to- Which is why I'm talking like this today again. What? How are you talking? My voice is like completely like about is 50% it? off. I'm like forcing it right now. I forced it okay. all day yesterday. It's just a Friday, Saturday affair that got me going. Okay. Well, let's uh, leave you with this little unknown nugget presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos on Instigators Overtime. You know what I did on Friday because we were at the RJ's night. Yes. You know what I did on Sunday. Because yes. we just talked about Joy Wave. Where was I on Saturday? I don't know because you were uh, a bit off the grid. So uh, you said you were going to be gone all day. So I don't know what you did Saturday. I drove to DC to see the Airborne Toxic event. First show for them in DC in seven years. Not that that mattered, but the point is Was it at the 9 30 club? Yes, of course, it was at the 930 Club. I, so I don't was, know. The, I don't even know the club now that right. I've. But I Joy, Wave, there. Joy Wave had sold out the 930 yeah. Club the night before, which was yeah. very exciting. So I drove there because, um, you know, COVID really wrecked everything for musicians and touring artists. So a couple of years ago, um, right at the introduction of COVID, Airborne was supposed to tour their new album, Hollywood Park, which is lead singer Mikel Gillette's life story, which is, you know, I can't even begin to describe it. It's and it's quite honestly, the only book I have read cover to cover since forced to do so in high school. Um, (laughs) Anyway, they were going to be playing Hollywood Park, the album in its entirety, along with then greatest hits. So they're only doing that four times on this tour. I was like, okay, well, this is the only one that fits my schedule. I'm going to go. 
unfortunately they ran into some you know on stage technical difficulties and it was it was a very odd show because if you can believe it the show did not start until 11 30 p.m the venue had two headlining shows that night so they had an earlier headliner emptied the place out opener and then airborne at 11 30. even those guys from the west coast felt like it was not normal right anyway i'm glad i did it i wasn't like the crowd was off and whether it was the timing or whatever it was just weird right but the problem was the show didn't start till 11 30. i drove home after oh no i stopped so originally i was budgeting halfway through stopping and sleeping for three hours well the show started two hours later than it was supposed to i didn't read the fine print when i bought the tickets at the last minute so i basically stopped in altoona where i had a hotel room which i had used for all of two hours laid down basically went into a panic nap for 55 minutes, got nothing out of it other than the fear of I'm going to be late for work. <laughs> yeah, because we have a one o'clock game on Sunday. Got back on the road at 6.15, <clears throat> immediately encountered rain and then a snowstorm long before getting to Bradford, PA. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the only saving grace was that somehow miraculously my body out- felt better after laying down for an hour, even though I didn't really sleep. So then I got home at like 10, 15, showered, changed, met you at the rink and away we went. And the whole time I was thinking, does he have any indication that I am running on zero sleep? (laughs) And Jen asked me after, how did your show go? I was like, I'm pretty sure there were two times I almost fell asleep while talking. (laughs) I had no idea. Again, you're a pro, but I had no idea. Here's to makeup and uh, somehow, um, you know, some kind of energy boost, probably uh, given to me by your offer of food. Because <laughs> I which, didn't eat either. <laughs> that's why. So I couldn't find you're like, I'm like, I'm going to bring you a cookie or something. You're like, can you bring me like uh, maybe an apple, banana, something a little bit better? Because, you know, like you're yeah. on fumes. Yeah. And then in the, uh, Second intermission, I, I believe I decided to go to the alumni room and I brought you back a, a chicken quesadilla and uh, you chowed that thing down in 30 seconds. Oh, so, anyway, well, I had no so, idea, so there, but now uh, you know. I'm glad you got to go and hey, hopefully the better, you enjoyed it. The better news, Airborne Toxic event at the Town Ballroom this Sunday. Oh. Shorter drive. It'll be a greater show. You are nuts. You knew they were coming to Buffalo and you still went to DC. Because they were doing Hollywood Park in I DC know. and they're not doing it here. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> only you, Duffer. Your passion is like yeah. none other. Okay. You say only you. I am on the record as saying that's the last time I ever do something as ridiculous as that. Quite frankly, it wasn't safe. I was, you know, the drive back was pretty tough. So. Been there, done that, Duffer. And, I can only uh, imagine. And yeah. then you're like, I'm not doing it again. And then six months later, woo, there's something really fun that I want to do. And then you take off and you do it. So, okay. That's it for me. What do you got? That's it Words for me wisdom. too. I think uh, we've, uh, again, we're like, we're going to do a 20 minute extra pod and it's 45 minutes in. So I think we got to leave it. Let's go. And uh, 
more hockey this week. So let's all have fun with it. Back with the instigators on Tuesday from noon to one on WGR Sports Radio 550 and MSG. For now, thanks for the extended instigators overtime presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. We'll see you soon.